0: Hey, that's right, for those inquiring minds that still want to know, it's page 141. Page 141, your booklet there, and we are on part two of, that's right, chapter of Knowing God's Will. Hey, that's right, we got some feedback tonight. That's right. How many guys would like to know uh, Bonnie's will? I'm sure that would be intriguing, right, Bonnie? She would like to know her will. Well, praise God, you're at the right study tonight. No, that's good, but hey, I tell you what, if you want to know somebody's will, it's God's. Right? He's the one who calls the shots. He's the one who uh, uh, determines what we do. He knows what's best for us. Okay? And that's what we've been seeing over and over and over again, repeatedly through several chapters, is that name one command in the scripture that's bad for us. No, it's all good for us. Okay? And that's the lie of this world that somehow if you follow God, you are going to have a boring life Okay, and you're going to miss out on something. Uh, that uh, you would rather uh, do okay now we saw there on the top of page 41 just to recap uh, about God's will and what we saw is I went through this last time to me the aspect really isn't knowing God's will is our challenge and the reason why is because guys it's right here you know the good Christianese acronym that we said Bible the basic instructions uh, before leaving earth if I can spell it <laughs> And uh, uh, we say, it's right there, right? You want to know what to do? It's right there. You want to know God's will? It's right there. It's right before you, okay? Unfortunately, it's probably collecting dust uh, as we saw before, okay? And so it's not so much knowing God's will. Is it really that much of a mystery? I don't think so. The big issue, as we saw last time, if you're here, is the big issue is in doing God's will. See, that's the bigger challenge, isn't it? Because that's where the rubber meets the road. That's, that's where uh, you really find out, you know, to use again the Christianese phrase, have you accepted Christ as your Savior or have you surrendered to Christ as your Savior? And, and sometimes I think there's a big difference. And you show about the way you live. When you surrender to Christ, it's more of a, it's not just he's an accessory to your life. It's his life. And you say, I've surrendered. I want to do your will, not mine. Hey, that sounds familiar. It's almost like Jesus said something like that himself interesting so that's of course what we're supposed to do it's not so much in knowing it's in doing and the question is are you going to do it why should we seek it we saw last time because hello don't you want to have a good life okay the best possible life this side of heaven not a perfect life because we live in a sinful, rotten creation, uh, and it's not rejuvenated yet by God, okay? That's going to come later in the millennial kingdom, okay? And so this is the best possible life. It's right there. That's your roadmap. And then we saw on page 42, all right, well then, and let's get specific. In what areas of my life is God's will clear? And we saw that in three different aspects there. God's will and my reaction to sin, and we all know that it's very proper that when we sin, uh, that we just rationalize it away. We act like it's no big deal. We make excuses for it. We we start uh, spitting out our genealogy. Well, I'm Irish. What do you expect? Or I'm German. Or I'm German chocolate. Or I'm German. Whatever it is. I, uh, excuse me? No, our reaction to our sin is, it should grieve us. We should want to turn from it. We, we should be, God, please forgive me. We should, We should be radically sensitive to like oh i'm so sorry god i mean if you love somebody and you did something that hurt them somewhere along the line you would think that because you love them you would want to what own up to your behavior apologize that's right how much more so with god when we hurt him our sin hurts him and it hurts other people uh, as well we saw the next one is god's will in my job because we all know the number one reason why we work at where we do is because it's all about a paycheck. No, as we saw, number one, it's your mission field. Number two, it's your training ground. And then number three, yes, it is a means of which that God gives you the ability to uh, earn, to buy some of that expensive volume. You know, as opposed to, anyway, whatever, anyway. Uh, And then, of course, we saw the third one is God's will a my sexual life. And we saw there, what's interesting is the word there, sexual immorality, is a general term. Okay, it's the Greek word porneia, and it includes, listen, incest, homosexuality, prostitution, unchastity, fornication, and is used for every kind of unlawful sexual intercourse, anything outside the confines, obviously, of marriage. That's what it's talking about. And so God's will for you is to be, and we're going to see this, There's kind of a common theme when it deals with not just you exclusively, when it deals with entities outside of you, like your job, or I would say your sexual life, because that would involve other people, and we're going to see it again tonight uh, in other areas, is it's this word, and I use it to, to be a vernacular, we would say, we need to be a positive witness for Jesus. That's the Christianese phrase, and that's right. Let me break it down for our modern mindset. And you heard me say this many a times. We need to be a good commercial for Jesus. What we say, because you're putting on a commercial every day. I'm putting on a commercial every day to everybody we meet about Jesus. The moment they find out that you're a Christian, you're a commercial. Just start it on. How's your commercial coming along? Is it accurately depicting The positive benefits of being a Christian is is actively depicting that this is the best way. Is it giving a picture that God is holy and he calls us to be holy or or or, or are we just acting, living like the world? We're, We're worldly commercials. That's what it says, and so so that's what we're gonna see tonight in the top page 143. The next one's the same kind of thing. It's the same thing, why should I do this? What's the big deal? Because God wants you to be a commercial, okay? And when you know his will, at least you know what kind of commercial you're supposed to be. So at least you could sort of maybe at least get it right. You don't have to wonder what kind of commercial he tells you, and that's the next phrase there, God's will in my citizenship, okay? Citizenship. What? You mean government and all that stuff? That's important in the Bible, even that? Uh Uh-huh, It's big time. Of course, that's a hot topic right now uh, with the whole voting issue. And as we saw before, if you guys remember, that was a really major breakthrough for me personally uh, when I began to break that word down. And you look at the word uh, politics, okay, and it's made up of two words, as we saw before. Poly, which means many. And, of course, uh, we know that ticks are blood-sucking creatures. So that explains a lot <laughs> when you're dealing with citizenship, voting, the government, whatever. Anyway, so, in fact, I had to do this because we're getting close to that time. Uh, we need to open up with an exciting political joke. Uh, that's right. See if you can uh, maybe maybe whet our appetite. Why is it important to be positive citizens uh, for Jesus? One day, it was election time. You know, it's coming up. And a politician uh, decided to go out to the local Indian reservation and try to get the Native American vote. And when he got there, the Indians were all assembled in the council hall to hear his speech. And so the politician began his speech. And as he worked up to his big finale, the crowd was getting more and more excited. Yeah. And so he continued and he says, And I promise better education opportunities for the Native Americans. Well, at this man, the crowd goes wild, and they start shouting, Hoyo, Hoyo. And so the politician, he's encouraged with this enthusiasm, so he keeps on going. He says, And and I promise more government housing for the downtrodden on the reservation. And the crowd cried out, "Hoyo, hoyo!" and now they start stomping their feet. So the politician, he, he continues, he says, and I promise more social reforms and job opportunities for the Native Americans. And at this, the crowd reaches a frenzied pitch shouting, hoya, hoyo, hoyo, hoyo!" So after the speech, the politician, he's feeling pretty confident about the image that he established with the Indians there. And he decides to further deepen his relationship with them by asking for a tour of the reservation there. And so the Indians agreed, and the first thing the politician saw was a tremendous herd of cattle. That'll bring a tear to your eye. Okay, and, and since he was raised on a ranch himself, he knew a little bit about cattle, John. And, and so the politician asked the chief if he could get a little closer to take a look at all the cattle. And the chief said, sure thing, uh, just be careful not to step in the hoyo yeah, you got to be careful sometimes. they say one thing and do another, and we don't dis- we don't always agree, okay, Now that's what we're going to see in our text, believe it or not there, is when it comes to citizenship, that doesn't mean that whatever the government says, you do, all right there's actually a trend in the charts, oh no, it's what are you going got to do it oh I just watched a video today. It's from uh, Chuck Colson, of course he's gone. To be with the Lord uh, recently, I believe, and, uh, but in his ministry. And uh, one of the last things he was working on was what's going on with our government's health care system, with the Obamacare system, and uh, that they are, are now, as of August 1st, according to this video report from his ministry, um, not churches yet. They haven't gone that far, but they've moved in one step closer. Any organization, not church, any organization though, let's say you're a Christian business order You have to abide by and provide for your employees in this new ruling, uh, uh, the Obamacare, that means that you have to put your hand in and help pay for abortions and sterilization. It's happened. If you know anything about the mandate, it's you start at the extremes and work your way in towards the ultimate goal. Yes, not churches yet, but can I tell you something, it's it's coming. Okay, so what do you do? Well, I guess I said to do it. No, you don't. So there's a balance here, and we need to understand that. Because remember, the whole premise is, again, we're, we're supposed to be a good commercial for Jesus. Okay? But that doesn't mean you compromise the Word of God, and that's the balance, and that's what we see here. Uh, Peter also, at the top of page 143, also gives us some insight on something that is clearly God's will for our life. In his first epistle, which is the wife of the apostle, right? No, Byron, that's, that's good, but no. Uh, in the first epistle, he writes, uh, means the letter, uh, Submit yourselves to the Lord's uh, sake, to every human institution, listen, whether to a king as the one in authority, or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is what? The will of God. Remember we saw before, if only I knew God's will. It's so elusive. Oh, if I only, well, really, he wants you to have a proper attitude towards sin. He wants you to be a positive witness in your job. He wants you to live a holy life emulating him. And this is his will. You are to respect the authority, even the secular authorities that are over you. And it's kind of common sense he leads into that. I think there's more to that in Romans 13 about the one who straps the sword on your side. I don't know about you, but I am glad that we have an army and I'm glad that we have a police force. Anybody? Can you imagine if we did not have them? <laughs> we wouldn't have anything that we have today. Other countries would come in and get us, number one, militarily. Okay, number two, even just locally with police, it'd be utter chaos. So I'm glad. Now, guess what? Did you know that not all military personnel and not all policemen uh, are Christian? We still give them respect. God's actually the one who has given us government. Okay, it'd be nice if it was godly. Our uh, uh, country was founded on that. It's gone by the wayside. That's a whole nother topic, but we're still supposed to respect that. I may not agree with the president uh, in the office, okay? And I don't have to agree, but I will respect the office. Don't have to agree with the man, but I will respect the office, Okay, is what's going on there. And this is the balance that he's talking about. For such is the will of God that by doing right you may listen. What? Listen, I'm going to translate this for you. Be a commercial for Jesus. You may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Okay, How we act in civil society is a witness for Jesus Christ. Thus, as Christians, we are to be model citizens. Is your blank there? model citizens we are to be in submission okay submission to our human governments by following the laws by paying taxes praying for them okay and being involved in the voting process okay that's my pet peeve every time around this time of year is uh Hey, I'm all for, believe you, me. Well, we still got the freedom to do so. You better be active in politics, Christian. Just don't compromise. Okay, but the other, t- the other pet peeve of mine is all of a sudden you get all active and you'll sit there and you'll, you'll bust your back. You do all kinds of things, but how much the rest of the year are you witnessing, serving the gospel? Because really, the, the solution to the ills of our society is spiritual. And if we can get our country back on track with Jesus Christ, that's a lasting change. So again, I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Please, please, please get involved. Be responsible. Do what we got to do. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And there's that balance there. We need to be those positive uh, commercials, he says there, and uh, in in the voting process. Only in those areas when God's law and man's law conflict, as you're blank there, do we not obey our government officials. Let's read that text, Acts chapter 4. Turn your Bibles. Acts chapter 4. That's the book for lumberjacks. Right, Orson? There you go. Just shake your head, it works. Acts chapter 4. He used chainsaws though, John. Acts chapter 4. And let's read it says 19. Let's actually back it up in the context. Of verse 18. Acts chapter 4. Okay, verse 18. And here's what it says. Then they they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Absolutely, government said it. I have to be silent. Can't witness, can't do nothing. Gotta keep, be a secret agent Christian for the rest of my life. No, what's the Bible say, folks? Here's what he says. He says there, uh, he says, where are we at? Right here, here we go. (laughs) But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves, whether it's right in God's sight, to obey you, civil authorities, rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. In other words, that's just one passage. When the rubber meets the road, and yes, you respect the civil authorities. Yes, you be that model citizen. Yes, you uh, enjoy and be responsible with your voting privileges currently and the freedoms that we currently have and that many men and women around uh, the world in our history have died and fought and sacrificed for, yes, be responsible with that. But if the government asks you to do anything contrary to the word of God, no. Respectfully, no. That's the balance. okay? Because compromise is not a good witness for Jesus Christ. And that's what it's about. It's not just about us. Not just something oh i got to do. It's a drudgery. Remember, this is what? This is the pathway to blessings. You want a blessed life? You want the best possible life? This side of heaven, here it is. And this is one aspect of what is clearly revealed in the scripture, how you can have it. Yay! Be a good citizen. Be a good commercial for Jesus. Not just in your job, but as a citizen. Now, the next one of this, this is, this is uh, one of my favorite things to talk about, uh, is God's will for our suffering. That never happens, does it? We never go through challenges or difficulties, and man, once you get saved, <laughs> woo, smooth sailing from there on out. Isn't it great? No problems. Everything always works out. Everybody loves you as soon as they find out you're a Christian. <laughs> yes, I am being sarcastic. God's will, myself. Su- what? Why? You mean it's God's will for me to experience pain? Uh huh. It's a good thing, believe it or not. Believe it or not, suffering is a pathway. To blessing. Let's say that because that's like spitting sand. (laughs) What? Suffering is a pathway to blessing. Let's, let's beat Pastor Billy up on the way out. <laughs> I can't believe you made me say that. No, suffering is one of the best things that could ever happen to us. We'll get to that in just a second. And this is what Peter says. He says, but uh, Peter now addresses the will of God in our suffering, okay? In 1 Peter four nineteen, he writes, therefore, uh, let those who suffer according to the what? Will of God. It's right there. So what do you do? Uh, just stare at the wall and just grit your teeth and cry and No, he says, here's what you do in the meantime. Entrust your soul to your faithful creator in doing what is right. You keep doing what is right and you trust him. He knows what in the world he's doing, even in the hard time, and you'll come out on top. Again, we'll get to that here, Lord willing, in a second. Peter's readers were experiencing some severe persecutions, literally fiery trials. Not just trials, fiery ones. Okay, and as a result of their witness for Christ, okay, is why it was happening. Peter lets them know that their suffering is actually being used by God as testing, is your blank there, the testing of their faith and an instrument of their, here's that Christianese word again, sanctification, sanctification. simply means maturity process. As you grow stronger, become a stronger, more effective Christian. Okay, a testing of their faith and an instrument of their sanctification process. Now, before we continue, let's take a look again. Recap uh, philosophically and biblically. What are the four reasons why we even encounter uh, suffering? Well, the first one is, of course, as we saw before, if you recall, and I'm sure you get all these memorized. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, is Adam's sin. Why do we suffer this side of heaven? Because of Adam's sin. Because of Adam's sin okay sin has now been propagated throughout all of humanity and creation is groaning romans chapter eight under the travail of sin and they can't wait until creation you know the the sons of god the scripture says paul talks about in there and gets renewed etc and that's a great thing to look forward to but we're not there yet so the reason why we experience suffering is because we live in a sinful world that by nature produces suffering okay so it's going to happen how many guys are alive right now on planet earth raise your hand Oz, did, are you for, oh, praise God, he raised his hand. Okay, I was, I lay hands on him, you know, so, scare me, bro. <laughs> anyway, then guess what? You're going to suffer, okay? Chalk it up. Okay, it's going to happen. Now, sometimes, that's just by nature of uh, being alive. Now, the second time, the second reason why, sometimes it's our own sin. I know it uh, uh, never happens to any one of us here, it's those people about 18 blocks that way. But uh, you ever make a goofy decision and uh, sin, uh, and it causes some suffering? Maybe for you, you and other people? Yeah, it's going to happen, isn't it? See, it isn't just we're surrounded by people who have a sin nature, thanks to Adam's sin. We, we still got to deal with that, even as born-again Christians, the old man sin nature. So sometimes we do it to ourselves. So that's why sometimes suffering occurs. Now, sometimes it's because of a demonic attack, Okay, and that's real. Okay, you deal with spiritual warfare, okay? And dare I say, when you really step up to the plate and you really want to be a positive commercial for Jesus, you really want to live for him, you really want to be used of him to make a difference, you're going to become a threat to the evil one. He wants you to sit there punching your time clock. Don't do nothing. He wants you to be uh, uh, just a, a casual Christian. He does not want you to get serious in your walk with Jesus Christ. He does not want you to be here tonight. He does not want you to be in the scripture. He doesn't want you to pray. He doesn't want you to witness. He just wants you to go with the flow and if he can, get you to be worldly. And then he's got you where he got you. But the moment you step up to the plate and say, Mm-mm, I'm gonna serve Jesus, he's, he's gonna get you. Now, we don't need to be afraid. Hey, do a great study. Be encouraged. Be, uh, uh, fear not. Be of good courage. Uh, how many times does the Bible say that? Over and over and over and over. You don't need to be afraid. And of course, the Bible says, greater is he, Jesus, that is in us than he is in this world. I don't have to run around being scared of the devil and things of that nature. I shared with you before, that's the other end of the spectrum. In the church, we either de-emphasize the devil or we overemphasize the devil. It always seems to be one of the two. We need to achieve a proper biblical balance. Yes, he's real. I don't de-emphasize him. As we saw, the stat has risen up to 65% of the American church professing to be Christians do not even believe that Satan exists. They think it's a story, uh, just a symbol of evil. What? And then you think, we talked about military. You think about the ultimate... Because this is real, demonic attacks, war, spiritual warfare, it's war terminology, soldier for Jesus Christ, that's a great study, do a study on uh, military terminology uh, in the scripture, that's a guy thing, okay, and, uh, uh, but you see, what, it's warfare, this is serious stuff, and he's going to come after you, okay, it's serious stuff, but if you were him, it, in military battles, one thing that you would like to have on your side is what's called the old sneak attack, Right? I mean, it's, it's actually, a, if you can gain, if you could surprise your enemy, you're way ahead of it, right? You, what better way than to take down and smash the American church than to get 65% of the American church to think you don't even exist? And you just let him sneak right in your midst and he's messing with you. But no, it's not him. Now, the other thing that we'll do is we'll overemphasize him. And I showed this before when I was uh, uh, in uh, youth ministry, uh, when I was in Bible college, And there was this uh, uh, teenager uh, guy named Sam that I was working with, and his mom just got on, shut that so-called Christian TV stuff off and pop on your Bible, I'm sorry. Uh, There are some good teachers out there, but by and large, I'm sorry, they're out there to hokey of your cash, and they're false teachers. Okay, well, some of that stuff that goes with it just gets all wild and fanatic. And the devil do this, and the devil calls your flat tire, whatever you do. And so you go to the other extreme, and that becomes your whole focus. And that's what she did. And he came to me in tears. He was concerned about his mom. This really happened, man. And, and she actually, every day her routine, she was so scared uh, of the devil coming in and cursing their house and cursing their clothes, the demons and all that stuff, that she literally, in order to protect herself, would as she would get ready to work, she'd always take a fresh uh, bag of clothes with her, a, a trash bag full of clothes, and put it in the trunk with her so that he couldn't curse those clothes while she was gone at work. We either overemphasize him or we de-emphasize him, okay, is typically what we do. But it is real, folks, and sometimes you're going to experience that. You don't need to be afraid. Walk around. Okay, but don't be foolish and act like he doesn't exist. Again, just like with citizenship, there's a balance there. And then the other one is for the glory of God. What? You mean God does positive things in it? Yeah. Let's just read one scriptural account. John chapter 9. Read John chapter 9. Mm-hmm. John chapter 9 verses uh, 1 through 3. And this is just one clear example. That God can do something magnificent, yes, even through trials. Okay? I don't know about you, but that to me is a great comfort. It's bad enough going through hard times. Uh, what makes it even worse is thinking there's no rhyme or reason to it. You might as well just pour a bunch of salt on your wound. That's not what the scripture says. Okay? Here's a great passage. It says this uh, John chapter 9, verse 1 through 3, as he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. Okay, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who's sin, this man or his parents? Why is he suffering, right? Uh, that he was born blind. Now listen to what Jesus said. Hey, it wasn't Adam's sin, it wasn't our sin, it wasn't a demonic attack. Why was this allowed? I mean, there might've been some instruments of that, but who's overarching uh, overseeing the whole process? It's God, and Jesus says this. He says, neither this man nor his parents sin, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Can I translate that for you? For the glory of God. God will not only use us when, when things are successful and when things are great and when he, he'll, he'll lead, use you to lead somebody to Christ, whoo, that's great. He'll use you in Sunday school class to teach an awesome lesson, Woo, that's awesome. He'll use you to, uh, to uh, do all kinds of great things that we enjoy. He will also bear fruit with you in your pain for you and for other people. Very quickly, famous last words for a preacher, John, Uh, let's go through uh, 20 different reasons why God allows suffering for good. Yay! Okay? The first one is to expose our sin nature. That's Romans chapter 7. Remember what Paul says there? Sure, Pastor, really? Thanks, Jeanette, for that vote of confidence. And what he says there, as we all know, uh, especially Jeanette, is that that's where Paul says, hey, I would not have even known what coveting was unless the what? The law of God, okay, uh, said it there. You know, and and he says, and then all of a sudden I saw that commandment and sin in me sprang to life. I was cool until that commandment came along, right? Now what you will find, at least what I found in your walk with Jesus Christ, how many times you ever get to that point where, you know, you get that Christian plateau. You've been teaching Sunday school for a long time now, man. God's been using you, man. He's used you to lead many people to Christ, man. You might even be behind a pulpit. And you think you're pretty cool. You got it going. You know what God's going to do? He sees us. He knows everything, right? Man sees the outward; God sees the heart. He sees every area, myself included, that still needs to be worked on. So, see, see, we won't admit it. We're blind to it. So you know what He does, Ruth? Hey, add some suffering, and here comes that thing you need to work on. How many anybody besides me go through that? You think you're the greatest thing since sliced bread as a Christian. You got, you got it all covered. It's easy, smooth sailing. Really? <sighs> and at that point, you got an opportunity to own up to it, surrender it to the Lord, move on, and become stronger, which is good. But he allowed that uh, circumstance to expose your sin nature so you can become stronger. Second one is to keep us from becoming spiritually lazy. Judges chapter two. <laughs> oh, we never, we never do that, do we? We never take a vacation from Jesus. I mean, we're always on fire, 100. We read the passage in the Bible that says, never lose your zealousness for Christ. We take that serious. Every single day, whoa, flames are coming out of our ears for Jesus. Yes, once again, sarcasm is heavy tonight at Sunrise Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Uh, What? So what's God do? Hey, let's be honest. When is some of the best, most heartfelt, personal prayer time we've had with God it's when we're going through some of the most hard times isn't it and maybe we've been on a, a detour for a while and God is using that hard time to hey get back on track I love you so much I'm not gonna let you're not gonna go that far get back over here hey that's good isn't it that's a good thing okay uh, it's also to cause us to be a blessing to others that's 2 Corinthians 1 You mean to tell me that God will use my pain and comfort me, not only in my pain, but he'll use me to comfort others in the same kind of pain that I went through? Hey, it's almost like you're reading the Bible. Yeah, that's true. That's exactly what he will do. He will comfort us uh, in our pain, okay? How many guys ever uh, uh, gone through some hard times? The next thing you know, God brought somebody, miraculously, across your path that just also happened to go through a similar circumstance. And you go, hey, let me tell you what Jesus did for me, right? Is Second Corinthians 1. So he'll use it not only to strengthen you and comfort you, but then he'll use you uh, as a vehicle to share with somebody on a level that they can identify with, literally as one who's only been there, bought the t-shirt, wish they wouldn't have done that, can minister to them as well. Oftentimes, I've done that with my checkered past. I never would wish it on anybody, but oftentimes it's like, hey, uh, uh, Pastor Billy, uh, uh, you know, my friend is involved in drugs. Hey, I can help you with that. Not saying I know everything, but yeah, <laughs> I've been a slave to those things in the past, yeah. yeah. Hey, Pastor Billy, you know, the people have been experiencing some demonic issues and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah I can help you with that one too. Hey, Pastor Billy, you know, there's been some challenges. You, know, you, just, you, you, you realize that God lets nothing go to waste. And so he'll use you to be a comfort to other people. Uh, to teach us that God is God and we are not. Is that ever a good lesson? Sometimes we think that we know what's best for us. That ain't true, folks. God does. But if you demand your way or the highway, you're headed for a, a brick wall. John the Baptist, that's the Matthew chapter 11, is a passage there. Remember that passage there when he was uh, serving Jesus uh, and he was the, the, the forerunner of the Messiah? Next thing you know, he's in jail. And when he's in jail, there's that little passage there. And he actually sent some of his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one? John the Baptist began to doubt. Could it be because John the Baptist had it in his head that he thought his life needs to go a certain way and because it was what he wanted wasn't happening that somehow God was making a mistake? No. God knows what he's doing. He's God. uh, We are not. Uh, uh, To uh, make us more like Jesus. Anybody ever pray this prayer? Hey, God, please make me more like Jesus. I want to be conformed to the image of your son, Jesus Christ. I want to be that positive commercial for him. Anybody? Praise God, all two, seven of you. That's better. the rest of your health. Uh, yeah, so how do you think that's going to happen? I'm so glad when you read the scriptures, especially all over the gospels, Tom, uh, that Jesus never suffered. I mean, when he came here, people say, hey, can I take you out to eat? Uh, you want to ride in my car, bro? You know, like there's always taking care of his every need. They, oh, I love your teaching. It's so awesome. We agree with you. Can you please be here next week at the synagogue and take over and please uh, we just skip the triumphal entry. Just come on in now. We just agree with everything you're doing. Everybody loves you. No, they hated his guts. And here we are followers of Jesus. We want to be like Jesus, but we don't think we're going to suffer like him? Even though he's called and we will say and sing songs, the suffering servant? To me, the acid proof of your Christianity, my Christianity, is what's going to happen when hard times come. Out of the abundance of the heart, what you're storing in here is what comes out, Jesus said. Okay? You're never more like Jesus when you react like Jesus in suffering who when being murdered, God says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's Christianity. That's being Jesus. Now, unfortunately, we don't always get that right off the bat. So guess what? We get lots of practice at it. Okay, but that's what he wants to be more uh, to make us more humble. Is something there? We never get to, again too big for our britches, whatever. And, and uh, anybody ever get humble by your circumstances? Yeah. Now the neat thing is, uh, the scripture says First uh, Peter chapter five, I believe, says that uh, God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to who? The humble, okay? It's God's grace in us is the power, if you will, that we need in order to become more stronger, better, effective Christians. It's pride that will ruin the whole procedure, okay? Pride's what ruins the whole thing. Uh, As we talked before, that word there, pride, uh, is a, a military term, and it means in full battle array. When God resists, he's in full battle array against you when you are full of pride. God's army is pointed against you when you are full of pride, okay? So he'll use challenges Okay, and the word humble there is really kind of cool. In the rush, uh, harsh rendering of the Greek, it means to shave off the top of the mountain. Isn't that cool? Just mows you down, doesn't it? Getting to get a pointy head, big old big. God comes in with circumstances. Because wouldn't it be great if you could go to Walmart and just buy a can of humility? Ah. And then, of course, the old axiom, the moment you think you're humble, you just lost it right? Okay. Humility, I've learned, is produced by going through humiliating circumstances, oftentimes. That's a good thing, because then we become stronger. We don't, we're, we don't short-circuit the grace of God, because we're so prideful, and now God's uh, power <laughs> begins to flow, and that's a good thing. Uh, to make us more joyful, I mean, man, we never get tricked into thinking that it's the things of this world that brings us joy, do we? Oh, I'm so glad for that. This I just Apparently, I went to Walmart and got a can of sarcasm tonight because, what? (laughs) Must have been right next to that bubble gum I had. But anyway, uh, what? Excuse me? No. And so that's an empty, it's a, 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 a Jeremiah, I believe it was. And he says, he says, be appalled at this and shudder, O Heavens. My people have committed two sins. Strong words from the prophet there to Israel. They have forsaken God, number one. And he says they have dug cisterns, (whistles) broken cisterns that can't even hold water. So you turned away from God as your source of strength and dare I say even joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength, right? Yeah, Yeah, but we didn't, really, is it? And then they, they turn away from God and they turn to the things of this world thinking that's where we're get, going to get satisfaction from. God loves us. And if we go on this endless rabbit trace thinking that it's going to be the things of this world, the way of this world, the living of this world is what's going to bring us joy. He'll bring suffering. You ever, you ever try to go down that route? You ever get that new vehicle and what happens after three months? Although they cheat nowadays. See, the new car smell goes away. You can actually buy that now. <laughs> Cheaters. Anyway, uh, right? You get that new wardrobe. That's kind of cool. Looking spiffy, okay? But uh, uh, then it goes away. You get that new doodad, that new toy. That's kind of cool, yeah? And uh, it goes away, right? That's not joy. God wants to give you something that lasts and is there consistently regardless of your external circumstances, okay? So he'll use suffering to get you steered out of that path? Another thing is he'll make you more loving, Okay, we shared this before. Uh, 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 remember that movie, Groundhog Day? Bill Murray had to relive the same day over and over again. Okay, that came to my brain one time. And I was going, God, why am I going through my uh, workplace, going through this ho- over and over again? This makes no, absolutely no sense. It's like a just never-ending, non-stop, over and over again. And then that, that, that media, uh, video or movie went through my brain. And it's like he had to keep, I'm going, oh, okie dokie. And so every day when I get up and every day when you get up, we pray, oh, I want to be more loving like Jesus. I want to be that positive commercial for Jesus, right? Well, guess what? Every day you get up and that's your groundhog day. You get your opportunity and you go usually to the same workplace and you drive the same route, right? And on the way home, you stop at the same gas station and you come back to the same house and you wake up and you get up and you do the same routine. You go the same work and you do the same thing. Guess what? Every single day, it's an opportunity to love Jesus. Now, you, you, you get to learn to love like Jesus when, like Jesus, you're surrounded by people who don't love Jesus. See his wisdom? Piece of cake when you love those who love you. Even the tax collectors do that. Even the IRS does that. Right? But love those who don't love you. That's being like Jesus, okay? And so we get to practice that every day. Uh, sometimes to produce a powerful testimony. How many guys love hearing People's testimonies of how, I mean, their backs were against the wall, man. It was just impossible. There's no way they're ever going to make this thing. And then they share, but God, you know, the famous words, but God, he came through and all of a sudden this thing happened and this miracle, this thing showed up at the right time and you're sitting there going, yeah, wow, that was encouraging, yeah. Hey, can I guess what? Uh, Did you realize that God wants, uh, and sometimes he'll ask you to take a turn to become a testimony? And that's what I've learned. We all love hearing powerful testimonies. We just don't want to become one. But we all got to take our turn, you know. How do you think those testimonies come? Because there was hard times. And he'll use it to be a blessing uh, to other people. Uh, Sometimes it's to produce a powerful character, to learn to persevere. That's a great uh, passage. uh, Romans chapter 5, to persevere helps uh, develop your character. Okay, that means you're going to go through something, and you're going to go through it for a long time. Okay, you could go through boot camp for one day or for how many weeks? 500, I don't know, Pastor Billy, I forgot, it was a long time. Okay, but you know, it's just for extended period, okay? And you're gonna come out completely changed. And so what happens is over time with that pressure, and that's what it is, it's, it's your, your, literally, if you can picture in the Greek there, it's like the guy Atlas with that world on his shoulders. And it's not just for a, 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 just a moment, it's for a long period of time. He's having to do it again and again, day and day after day. And he's learned to persevere. How many guys would say that's a good character trait to have in a world full of suffering, that I'm not going to quit, I'm going to keep moving forward. I don't care how much my sergeant yells at me and this pack is getting heavy and I'm on my fifth mile and I'm about ready to crack, but I'm going to be a faithful soldier for Jesus. I'm going to persevere. That's a good quality to have. Okay, Uh, sometimes it's also to steer you into a new direction. Did you realize that God will use suffering to get you into a new direction? Yeah, he does it all the time. Uh, Sometimes it's to get you to build your faith. Okay. Wouldn't it be great to have like a David-like faith to take on Goliath? I mean, the dude, most commentators say, was like 12 to 14 years old when he was taking on Goliath, the seasoned nine-foot warrior, right? How does a 12-year-old on the low end take on that guy? Where did he get that kind of faith? Well, what did he say? My faith has been built up over the years. This ain't the first time I had a conflict. I had to fight that lion. I had to fight that bear, right? So what was happening? God was building his faith to face the next challenge. And so when we go through the challenge, he's building your faith. He's what? He's making you a stronger Christian so that, guess what? This probably won't be the last time you encounter suffering. So when you make it through this one on top, guess what? You're prepared to make it through the next one and the next one and the next one, even if they do get harder. You don't crack because your faith is being built to appreciate fellowship, right? Isn't it great when you're going through suffering that you find yourself completely isolated and uh, uh, it's just... uh, uh, just so horrible being around fellow Christians who are there to encourage you and uplift you and and just in, uh, pray for you and that's just a, such a rotten gift to have, isn't it? Yes. Once again, I swallowed more sarcasm. Uh, excuse me. You know, sometimes when we go through suffering, we appreciate. You know what? I got it pretty good at Sunrise Baptist Church. I'm surrounded by people that love me and who pray for me. You know what? Who I could call at two o'clock in the morning, and they're going to be there. God is good to me. I appreciate the fellowship. Uh, that he's given to me sometimes you'll learn that Uh, to teach you the power of praise God says in Hebrews 13 he says he wants you to give a sacrifice of praise he didn't say when everything's great all the time that's the only time you sing tunes to him okay sometimes it's gonna be a sacrifice and so you sing your guts out to Jesus whether things are high time or low times or whatever And as I shared the story that actually happened to me back in uh uh, in uh, Bible college and uh, it was a learning lesson and I was, I was getting uh, into this dark hole and just constantly thinking about the suffering and this stuff that I was going through which is starting to bring me down and then I'm, that verse went through my head and I just started singing songs to Jesus and I re- wasn't really enthusiastic in the first uh, uh, part it was just like spitting sand but I was doing it out of obedience by the second song I started to kind of get into it the third song bang that dark cloud lifted I'm singing praising God my situation didn't change but my mindset, my attitude did because I sacrificed to God I didn't feel like I didn't want to do it I sacrificed to praise back to God it got my mind set back on Him. Because do we just love Jesus when things are good? Or will we still sing our guts out? No matter what's going on. Sacrifice of praise. That's a powerful good thing. To purify your service. Aren't you glad that when you serve Jesus Christ, which is a good thing and every Christian should, that everybody always appreciates what you do? <laughs> Oh, man, isn't that exciting? Now, here's the good news of that. I'm not condoning anybody else's bad behavior, but that purifies your heart because you'll find out real quick, what are you doing this for? Is it really for Jesus? Because if it's really for Jesus, who gives a rip what people say or do? I'm not condoning sinful behavior. But you get to the point where it's like, I'm not going to let somebody else's actions, words, or attitude dictate my walk or service to Jesus Christ. I'm going to do it for him. You're not going to win. And if you're not doing it for Jesus, you might just quit. You might just find out you were saying you were doing it for Jesus, but it was only because you wanted the accolades. And the moment that they stopped, you quit. Or you wanted the kudos. Or the pat on the back. But like with perseverance, are you ready even when people don't appreciate it and they never even say boo? I'm still doing it with just the same amount of fervor. For him, that's a good thing to learn. Uh, To also to uh, discipline you—that never happens. God never uses challenges to discipline us, does He? Yes, that happens. Hebrews chapter 12. We dealt with that a couple uh, other times. Uh, To get you to return to Him, we never go stray in our walk with Jesus Christ, and and uh, need to come back to Him if we start getting worldly and all of those things, or or to get you to witness for Him. I'm so glad that Jonah, when God called him uh, to go and preach to the Ninevites, he went right away. No, God gave him a whale of circumstances. To wake him up. And you know what sometimes? Think about this, guys. Think about this. Did you realize that sometimes, maybe, I don't know all the specifics, could it be the reason why God has allowed that challenge is to get you motivated to witness? You ever thought about that? You got all these opportunities around you, but I don't know what you're doing, but you're not witnessing. You ever thought that maybe God's allowing that to get your attention, like, whoa, you're missing the whole purpose why I've given you this sphere of influence. I've called you to preach to these people, your neighbors, your coworkers, your family members, your friends, the guy at the gas station. What are you doing? Don't waste your time. Don't be a Jonah. And then finally, to get you saved. Anybody ever get saved through hard times? Yeah, that's what happened to me. Okay, I don't recommend it. That's definitely a rough way to go, uh, but that is how you can do it. Now, so that's just, not, that's just things that I've seen scripturally. That's things that I've experienced of why does God allow suffering? It's not only his will, but that's what he says here. We'll finish out this portion and close. He said, he lets us know uh, that their suffering is actually being used by God as a testing of their faith and as an instrument of their sanctification or maturity process. The Christians were to react, listen, by resting in a sovereign and faithful creator, okay, rest in him and continue to do right no matter what it costs them. God why? Because God works all things for our good. I just gave you 20 and I don't know them all. How many more evidences and proof do we need practically and scripturally that God uses our difficulties? Uh, for our good, even suffering in persecution. Thus, it is God's will for us to suffer sometimes, and during such suffering, we are to rest in the fact that God is allowing and controlling the circumstances for our good. Isn't that good to know? I don't know about you, but again, it's so hard when you're going through hard times, thinking that there's no rhyme or reason, there's no profit in this, there's no value, it's just why? What's the word he used there? Chill pill. Take a chill pill. That's a cronies. Take a chill pill. All right? Calm down. How do you calm down? When all my circumstances come out the way that I want them to and they stop treating me that way. <laughs> no? Because you can't control somebody else's behavior, but you are accountable for your reaction to the behavior. How do you rest? You trust. Not your circumstances, not yourself. You trust what God says, not what they do, not what you think, not what you feel. You trust what God says. And God says, I'm allowing this for your good. I've used the visual before in other instances. But if you can, as we close with this to give you a visual, any time you go through a challenge in your walk with Jesus Christ, be it a circumstance, be it a person, be whatever it is, if you can, visualize a bow on top of that person's head. Because it's a gift from God. He's not condoning their behavior. He's not condoning any sin. Of course not. But we can rest in the fact, and we take God at His word, we trust Him that this, yes, even this challenge is a present slap a bow on it, visualize it, you'll be able to enter into His rest. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin, or our unholiness, is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done. What even we're going to do? He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one says this, you shall not bear false witness, okay? That's called lying, okay? And if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar, okay? The, the, another commandment says you shall not steal, okay? Uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right,